Hey there, beautiful. Yes, you. This is Miriam Albert, your host of the Let's Breathe Beautiful podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I know it seems like our days can be filled with so many demands. Was I a good enough mom today? Did I tell my loved ones how much they really mean to me? Did I check off all the to-dos? Oh boy, I forgot to move the laundry into the dryer. Again. I get it, friend. I don't know about you, but often if my mouth isn't running, my mind definitely is. In a time with so much available at our fingertips, sometimes what our hearts are craving the most is just permission to slow down and breathe, to simply just be, and that that would be enough. The good news is we were created for a life of peace. And even better news, it doesn't come at the price the world may tell us it does. Sound too good? Well, friend, grab your favorite cup of coffee and let's make space to breathe together and be reminded of who we are and whose we are. There's plenty of room at the table. Hey friends, welcome back to Let's Breathe Beautiful. So glad you are here. If you are new, hello. My name is Miriam and I am your host here. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, So today actually is going to be a little bit of a different podcast than uh, my usual one. Um, First, you will notice that typically the podcasts come out on Wednesday and today is Friday. Um, So that's a little change up. But also um, today, I'm actually going to really share a personal story with you all because Today is actually the two-year anniversary of my bonus dad. I really don't call him my stepdad. I call him my bonus dad. Uh, we, we knew him here as Tito. Um, this is the anniversary of his transition to heaven. And I just, um, it's been on my heart for a couple years to either write about it or, you know, speak about it. And, um, so I really thought for this week, I would just put the regular messages on hold and, uh, really just share a little bit about our journey, um, with my bonus dad and his real name is Richard actually. <laughs> um, but wanted to share a little bit about the journey that we walked through, um, because he had cancer And, um, I want to really start off this podcast by first saying that this whole message is seriously straight up just my own personal experience, um, when it comes to grieving a loved one. Okay. This is not like necessarily my advice. This isn't a bunch of truth message. This is, this is my own experience And, you know, um, I just want to be really delicate in that because I know that everyone's grief journey is different and unique. And, um, it's, it's similar to, you know, when you know of a first time mom, you know, you have all these people that want to dish out the unsolicited advice to the first time mom and, um, and, 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 you know, my opinion, if somebody asks for my advice, I'll absolutely let them know from my experience what I found helpful. But at the end of the day, like, I think it's important to just let people walk that out for themselves. Um, you know, letting a new mom 
walk through if she wants to get all the new gizmos and gadgets and all of that. You know, like there's just, just let her walk that through, right? And figure things out for herself even. Um, and offer the advice when it's asked for. And so um, that's kind of my heart in, in this too, is um, my hope is that in me sharing a little bit about um, the grieving process and our journey with having a loved one with cancer, that um, maybe it will be a comfort in the right time for somebody who's maybe walking through a similar journey. Um, but again, there's, this isn't me telling you how to think. This is just, um, just me sharing, you know, um, a couple years later when I can look back and, and see from this perspective, um, and all the different ways that, oh, really just all the different ways that the Lord has washed so much peace, um, over, you know, over that process. And so, uh, like I said, I just wanted to preface with that because I know it is a a pretty delicate subject that some people might be walking through right now. So, um, just to give a little backstory, he, um, Richard who Tito, you'll hear me call him Tito because that was his grandpa name, um, for the kids. And that's what I ended up calling him (laughs) instead of Richard. I like to just call him Tito. It felt more personal, but, um, he came really into our lives. He and my mom started dating around the year that my husband and I got married. So, I mean, I was really already into my adult life. Um, by the time that he came into, into my life and, um, but he was there like from day one with the kids. And honestly, he was my kid's favorite person. Oh my goodness. Because you just have to know, like, you know how you hear about grandparents spoiling the kids? Well, this wasn't like, okay, give the kids like an Oreo every time they come over. It would be like a whole entire bowl of Oreos and Hershey Kisses. And (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to have problems. Um, and so he truly was just like, so laid back and chill and, you know, one of the biggest things that I'll always think of when I think of him was just, um, like how simple he kept everything, you know, he just really, um, didn't sweat the small stuff and, um, it was just something that I really, really admired because that's not always (laughs) been my tendency So he was just such a great reminder of how the small things are really the big things, you know, like not to make a big deal and overreact with things, whether that was things within, you know, like our family with my siblings or with my husband, um, or even in my parenting. And so I felt like he kind of brought some calm (laughs) to a lot of different situations for us. Um, but anyway, you know, um, he and my mom had moved closer to us in the Nashville area after my daughter was born. So my second child was born. And so we really got to spend a lot more time together because we were closer than where we used to, we used to be three hours apart. And now we were only like 30 minutes apart, which was awesome. And, um, in 2020, so right before the, you know, right before the whole shutdown around December or January of 2020, um, my parents actually moved right around the corner from us. So again, I'm sharing this because it is like all pieces of the puzzle and the God story of, of kind of 
just how he puts things into place for what he knows we're going to need. And so he, um, so my parents ended up living like seven minutes from our house, which was awesome. I mean, we passed by there all the time, several times a week. Right. And, um, and so, but shortly after they moved into that house, that's when really the pandemic happened and the world just kind of got crazy and shut down. And, um, they were, uh, my, so my parents around, I guess it would have been around August, he'd had a little episode where he went into the doctor. Well, come to find out there was like a spot on his lungs and they were really concerned about that. And after having some tests run, um, we found out that it was cancer. And so, you know, that is just, that's really been the first time that somebody that close to me has been diagnosed with anything to that degree, um, where there was a lot of, you know, really a lot of fear. Like, let's just be honest. There was a lot of, I, I had a lot of fear. I know my, my parents did. I mean, everyone in our family did. It's just the thing that you never think is going to happen to your family. And, I'll never forget, you know, we were like, okay, well, like, let's not freak out until we really need to freak out. You know, we don't know what level this is at. We don't know any of the, um, you know, we don't know what kind of cancer this is or what the options can be. And so um, I'll never forget the day that I was driving to run an errand and my mom called me and I remember exactly where I was. Um, I was driving by like a warehouse that had all these different FedEx trucks and she asked me if I was driving and for me to pull over. Well, I pretty much knew at that point that the news wasn't going to be good news. And so at this point I knew that cancer was a diagnosis. We just didn't know, you know, what the possibilities were. And so I pulled over just again, like in a, basically a, a warehouse parking lot and, um, they, you know, my mom had shared with me that it was small, small cell lung cancer, which is, um, one of the fastest spreading, uh, types of cancer and that it had gotten into his bones. And, and, and so, um, what we were looking at at that point was without treatments, the doctors projected about three to six months that we would have left with him. And with treatment, we could look at maybe 12 to 18 months. Okay. So this was in August of 2020 and we really wanted one more Christmas with him. Of course, you know, I think any, most people want to try to have as much time as they can. And so, um, of course my parents chose to go the route of getting treatment. And, um, uh, so we were hopeful that we would at least get another Christmas with, with Richard. And what ended up happening was pretty much after, his first round of chemo, it really just wiped like everything out of him. You could just see, um, I've never ever seen anything that can change somebody almost overnight. And I would say, um, if you've been down that road before, or if you are in that road right now, first of all, I see you and I just want to bless you in that because I know there is nothing like seeing somebody that you love so much um, 
suffering, you know, just not looking like themselves at all. Um, and I knew that he had to be suffering, you know, physically, um, but also just mentally and emotionally, just all the ways that you, that you could. And, and so that first round of chemo, like I said, had just really, really taken, um, a toll on his body. And so I was taking him in, um, my mom had to do some work from home. And at the time, you know, again, I was homeschooling, which you all have probably heard that story. I never thought I was going to homeschool, but that was like a blessing. Number one, that I was in a place where, um, I could, I, I mean, I had the opportunity to be more available because I was homeschooling and, um, and also not worry about my kid being behind in school, right? Like our whole family could like take the time we needed and I didn't have to worry about school. So that was a really huge blessing. The other blessing was once my mom actually put this out, um, and you know, she had put out to her community, the new community that they had moved to and said, you know, hi, my husband is, has actually been diagnosed with cancer. We're looking for somebody that can possibly come and clean our house. And y'all seriously, um, somebody reached out now, had they not moved to where they moved, this wouldn't have even happened. So again, it's like looking for those little gifts along the way that God knew we were going to need, need before we even knew that we needed them. And somebody reached out and apparently like in the area, there was an organization called Art Helps Cancer. And it was um, a husband and wife team who they had actually both had cancer, like cancer had been something their family had walked through. They are survivors. And, um, they had gotten so much help that they were like, what can we do to help other people who are going to be walking through this journey? And so they had teamed up with the community and they have this beautiful, beautiful, just like the most beautiful hearts and such a gift came to my parents' house and brought care packages. Y'all, I can't even tell you all the things that they provided. They paid for people to come and clean my mom's house. They sent all kinds of gift cards for meals. Um, I, mean, I can't even think of everything. Like, I, just so many things. They put together, like, a care package of supplies and things that they knew that um, Tito would need, you know, during this time. And things for my mom. And it was just, you know, to have somebody who had been down that road um, and just knew what it was like that, and they didn't even know my parents from Adam. I mean, it was just so beautiful, um, the way that these people just wrapped their arms around my family, uh, during this time. And so that in itself was just, again, one of those other pieces that was just a, a godsend truly. Um, but there was one particular day where, you know, he wasn't really eating or drinking very much. And my mom had, um, had to do a couple of meetings with work that day. And so I took him to the oncology center where he was going to be getting some fluids and things like that. And, um, y'all, it was just one of those moments that I don't really like to say that I live with regrets, but looking back, it was truly one of the hardest times because it was just Tito and me. And 
I'd never seen him look so down. And I just remember thinking, I want to say something to him, but I had no words. I knew if I opened my mouth, like I would be a complete blubbering mess, you know? And so it was like, I just looked at him and we really didn't even talk. It was, it was really, truly, I mean, looking back, I know it's okay. I know there's no regrets, but it really felt like the longest couple hours because it was just, it's like one of those moments where you want to say so much, but also I couldn't say anything. The only person who heard from me was, um, one of the nurses who bless her heart. I wish I could remember her name, but I, I mean, she'd asked, you know, who I was and, um, when he had said my daughter, I'm like looking at her, like, I'm going to lose it and gave her the kind of eyes and pointed the finger. Like I needed to step away with her. And, um, so we, we were in the break room and I mean, I just think this woman was so precious because she just let me basically ugly cry my eyes out in the break room because I just didn't want him to see me like that. And I just remember asking all the questions of like, I thought that he was supposed to get better right now. It seems like he's worse and you know, all the things. And, um, by the time that we left there, they actually decided that they didn't like the way he basically had no white blood count left, you know, and, um, they didn't like the way that his scans were looking and they wanted him to be monitored more closely. So rather than getting to go back home, um, we had to transfer him over to the ER. So again, that he could be monitored longer. So again, um, just such a, it is, it's one of those times where you feel like you are just in a whirlwind and you don't even know how to process everything that is happening. And, um, up until that point, I had really never experienced anything, um, like that, like somebody that I loved getting very sick or anything like that. And, um, I remember seeing other friends that I knew who were going through things like that. And I feel like you always want to find the perfect words to say. I just remember I would overthink everything um, because it's like, gosh, I just have no idea what to do for that person. I've never been in that situation. And I don't know. I don't even know what to do to be like a good friend right now. I don't know what to say outside of I'm praying for you. And even though I know that's a big thing, it still doesn't even feel like enough for me to say like, what can I possibly do? And so this was the first time that I was starting to see and feel, you know, the efforts and the love pouring out from other friends and family. And so what I would say to that, um, now being someone who has walked through that is, oh my goodness, if you're a friend and you've not been, been down this road and you know, somebody's walking down this road, uh, a few, a few things that I can tell you now is, man, just be there. Honestly, just being honest and even saying, I really don't know what you're going through right now, but my heart is with you and I'm hurting with you and I am here for you. And, um, what do you need? I mean, just being honest and not even having to get all super fluffy with your words, like just saying like, I really don't even know what you must be going through, but I'm here. Um, I mean, just something as simple as that, you won't believe what a difference that makes. And the prayers y'all, I knew like, 
there would be so many moments of overwhelming peace in, in the midst of all the grief that I knew it had to be because people were lifting us up in prayer. Like I knew that was the only way. Um, but also, you know, um, offering meals, I mean, offering to watch their kids, like if they, you know, if they have kids and they just need a timeout. And that was one of the ways that like one of my friends showed up so beautifully. And I remember, um, at the time my daughter was in mother's day out, but my son, I had just started, it was our first year of homeschool and it was like our first month of homeschool. Okay. It was brand, brand new. And I just remember thinking like I had no time to myself to even process what the heck was happening to be in my feelings. Like I know it's okay to cry in front of your kids, but like I needed like a super ugly, like meltdown cry (laughs) where I wouldn't be scaring my children. And I had a friend, another homeschool mom friend of mine who, um, just to this day, I'm so grateful because she was like, why don't you just let us keep Liam, my son, you know, why don't you just let us keep him? for the afternoon, like while your daughter's in Mother's Day out. And, and that way you can just have a couple hours to yourself, like just to process everything. And honestly, y'all, that was one of the biggest gifts that I could have received because, you know, you're in this mode where it's like, you want to grieve, but yet you're still walking through all the motions of life and having to take care and like put, still put meals on the table for your family. And, you know, Uh, I was trying to check on my mom and help in any other ways that I could. And, um, and so I'll never forget, um, another, just one of the ways that God sprinkled in a lot of love in that place was not only just through my friend offering help, but, um, in that time, like I really did, I got some really good cries in and one of the best gifts that he gave me in that moment was, Um, you know, we knew at that point that we were getting closer. We knew we didn't have a lot of time left. And, um, my, they were actually sending my, you know, they're actually sending Tito home, um, to, you know, they were sending in hospice care. And, um, so I, again, we knew that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of time. They thought that it might be just a weekend. Um, it was ended up being a few extra days, but, um, I'll never forget just seeing, like being able to close my eyes. And the only thing that really gave me peace in that moment was just like getting to see, him. It was like I could see him walking into heaven and it was to this day puts a smile on my face because like you'd have to know him. He was such a jokester and he would do this thing where he would, he would always say, Hey, how you doing? He did it to my aunt all the time. And it was so funny. He would say, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And he would say it over and over and over to you. And you're like, uh, you just asked me that. Um, you just asked me that. And he would say, like, he would have such a straight face about it. Like, I didn't just say that to you, you know? And it just, it always made us laugh. Or he would wave in the air. You would be out in public and he would just wave in the air. And you would look around to see who it was that he was waving to. And it would be nobody. But he would look so serious in it. He loved to make jokes and just, like I said, just joke around with people. So it was like I could just see him entering into heaven and like waving around at the angels and everybody like, Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Like just making his presence known. And it just put the biggest smile on my face because that 
is who he was. That is who he was. And that was the teacher that I wanted to remember, not the version that we were seeing who was really struggling. And so it was just such a gift to get that visualization of who he was and how much fun he was and how happy he was and really how happy he made everyone else. And so I know he's up there right now, just (laughs) probably, you know, waving off in the distance at somebody that's not there (laughs) Um, because that's what he would do. And he would just bring so much fun to everyone that was around him. So, you know, again, there were just so many different ways that God really did um, provide. And one of the things that I'll forever be so grateful for was, you know, you've heard me kind of share um, about dads and things like that on the podcast before. And um, it was just such a sweet gift to have a bonus dad um, in my life um, and, and for my kids too, you know, like a bonus grandpa in Uh, my kid's life. It was just, even if it wasn't for as long as we would have wanted, just to have known that we even had the gift of him at all um, was so precious. And so uh, there's two things as I kind of wrap up here um, that really I feel were, again, my experience, my takeaways kind of through this whole process, but, um, I'll never forget, you know, um, that, you know, there's that whole saying about the world will say, well, time heals everything, you know, time heals. And, you know, I, for me personally, I don't really love that saying. I don't really totally buy into that saying. Um, for me, it really wasn't time that healed anything. Um, Father really healed those parts for me because it was getting the visual of Tito making his entrance into heaven. It was knowing the eternal outcome for him and getting to put the perspective on like he is totally healed and whole um, where he's no longer in pain. You know, he's no longer fighting. Um, like he can make all the jokes in the world and he's perfect. You know, um, it was all of those truths and all of those realizations that really brought the healing, not so much time. Um, because there are still moments to this day where I'll see a random picture or, you know, uh, I'll just think, I'll just I don't know. It'll, it can be anything or I can see he was a big LSU fan. And so maybe I'll see something of LSU and then I think of him and, you know, there are still those moments where I feel a little bit sad and, um, and that's okay. And I think that that's something that's super important is to recognize that the grieving process is different and you can't put a timeline on it. Um, it hits, it hits in different points for everybody. Some people, most of their grieving happens when they are actually in the midst of watching their loved one go through pain. And I think that that's how a lot of it was 
for me personally, and I won't even speak for everyone else in in our family, because again, even my siblings and my mom alone, like all of our journeys with the same person is different. For me, most of the grieving came as I was watching him battle the cancer. Okay. Um, it was, it was a lot through there. And then, um, of course, immediately after, but a lot of that grieving took place just watching someone that I loved so much, um, suffer, you know? And so, um, I would, I would like to just debunk the whole time heals all (laughs) message completely because it truly was knowing, um, the eternal outcome for him that was healing, um, and getting to look back at all of the, the memories and just the promise that he's not in pain, um, would be one. And then the other thing that, you know, I hear people say often that I wish I could just change the words around, um, is that the sickness won. And in our case, it would be like, well, cancer won the battle. And that's another one that I really would say I don't believe in and I don't say because um, really it was getting to talk to my son about this that changed my perspective on that. And once we learned that Tito was in hospice, my son was only um, six at the time, seven, yeah, six. He had just turned six at the time. And of course, we had never had to have any conversations like this before. Uh, I was like, how do we even navigate this? How do we even tell our kids this? This is their favorite person. What is this even going to look like? Um, And that's a whole another level of heartbreak in itself. And so I remember not wanting them to feel scared. Um, I knew it was okay for them to feel sad, but I also didn't want them to feel scared about it. Um... And so I remember just kneeling and getting on my son's eye level and we were going out of town uh, for a for a wedding shower that weekend and I wanted to make sure um, I didn't know if Tito was still going to be with us when we came back. And so I remember thinking I really need to say something to my son because at this point they just knew that he was really sick. And so I need to say something to my kids because this might be our last chance that we get to say bye to him. And so before we left my parents' house to go on our trip, I just remember kneeling and telling my son and my daughter, you know, you know how Tito's been really, really sick. Well, guess what? He is going to get to go to heaven really, really soon. And so since he is going to get to go to heaven and not be sick anymore, we want to go and tell him how much we love him and give him a big old hug um, because we're not going to get to see him when he goes to heaven until we go to heaven. And y'all look again, that was another God thing because I was like, I don't know what words to say. Like you are going to have to help me. And I just cannot get over how amazing children are because like they were just like, oh wow. Okay. You know, I mean, it was so beautiful and so amazing how, how strong they were. And I know that a lot of that had to do with how we approached the situation. And so, um, it was just, I don't know, it was just a really, really, interesting thing because I think for them 
they were excited for him because they knew that heaven was amazing. And I was like, it taught me something in that moment that in my grief, like my grief was almost selfish and that is okay. Like hear me out. Like our own grief is it's okay. Like it is okay to be selfish and be grieving. But I realized in that moment that like, it wasn't so it's like the sadness I had was more for like those of us that were going to be left behind without him. Like he was going to be in a much better place in a much better position. And the sadness was really like for us and missing him, you know, and it just gave me a whole different perspective shift when I got to see it through the eyes of my kids. But I'll never forget. Uh, thankfully, he was still with us when we came back from our trip. So we did get a couple extra days with him. But I'll never forget um, <laughs> when we came back. He The only thing he would really eat at that point was popsicles. And um, my son was in the room. And again, I thought that, you know, he was in a hospital bed and it's stuff that I thought my kids might think was a little scary, but they never missed a beat. They got in there, they held his hands, they were feeding him popsicles. And, um, I was standing outside the room, my mom's bedroom one day, and I, uh, I heard my son, um, feeding, you know, Tito, his popsicle and he, in his most little excited voice, he was like, Tito, guess what? You are going to get to go to heaven soon. And he was like, excited for him. Y'all, oh my goodness. I cannot even, (laughs) I cannot even tell you the emotions as a mom, like just to hear that childlike faith. I mean, literally it was just a child, like the faith of a child and the understanding of a child. And it was just so sweet and so pure. And he was so excited for his Tito, um, that he was going to get to go to heaven And so, you know, that showed me that I'll never really say that cancer won because when Jesus died for us, like he had already conquered sickness and disease. And so really cancer did not win. Heaven won. Heaven gained an amazing, amazing Tito one amazing Tito. And so for that, I am so grateful. And although we miss him so, so, so much, and we will most likely be eating some Italian ices on his behalf today. Um, I am grateful. I'm grateful for the memories. I'm grateful for the time that we had with a bonus, bonus dad, bonus Tito. (laughs) Um, just bonus family member and the other family that he brought into our life too, like our bonus siblings, just getting to have, we, we called each other the Brady bench. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, I'll forever be grateful for that. And so I hope friends that in getting to hear a little bit of our story and journey that, um, that'll bring you some peace and some comfort if you happen to be walking through a similar road, um, to know that it's okay to grieve. There's no timeline on your grief. It will pop up in all kinds of crazy, random moments. Um, and you know what? You really have to be full of love to have experienced that grief at that level. And so if that's you today, 
Um, if it's you or somebody that you know, maybe a loved one is walking through something or you, or you yourself, you're walking through that. Um, I just want to bless you in that today and know, just remember that you are so not alone and you are seen in that and to take all the time that you need and that your journey is precious. And again, there is no timeline on it. So friends, really what my family was hoping would be about 12 to 18 months more with um, our precious Tito actually ended ended up being about four to five weeks that we got with him. And so it was very quick. Um, Thankfully, his pain wasn't drawn out too long, even though selfishly we would have wanted way more time with him than, um, than the four to five weeks. But what I will say is this, is um, my mom and my son and I were all in the room with him when we saw him take his last breath here on earth. And in that moment, I looked at my little six-year-old and said, okay, honey, well, Tito just went to heaven. He went, he went to be with Jesus. And of course, from a six-year-old's point of view, his next question was, well, but I still see him there. So how come I don't see him going up in the sky? And there was a chaplain there from hospice, um, who thank God (laughs) stepped in for that very big question. And he so preciously just sat down with my Liam, my little six-year-old on the front steps. And he said, well, you know, you know how you have a heart inside you but you know that it's there, but you can't see it, but you know it's there, right? Well, that's how our spirit is. We have a spirit inside us. We, you know, we can't really see it. Um, we have a spirit and that is what actually goes to heaven. So we can't see it, but we know it's there. And so friends in closing, I just want that to be a reminder to you that no matter what we can see, just remember what we know is there. Just remember that even when we can't see all of the moves, even when we can't make sense of all of the moves, we can trust that our Father is there. We can trust the Holy Spirit within us even in the times that we can't see. Friends, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really hope that if you are in a season of walking through grief, that this episode, this story could be of some comfort to you. Um, Maybe something that brought you peace and just hope, um, and even just grace for yourself as you walk through this process. So thank you for being here today, and just know that next week will actually be our last episode for this season, and there will be a good little break until season two launches. So 
Be blessed, and I will catch you next week for our final episode of Season 1 of the Let's Breathe Beautiful podcast.